a miracle it is that a college in Southern California was open during these times. They were one of two colleges out of 90-something in all of Southern California that were completely open. You know, when I, when I got there, I had the drive. When I got there, I knew things were going to be a little tough. I knew that I was going there by faith. I didn't know if they would shut the college down a week in, two weeks in. I didn't know if we'd have to stop abruptly in the middle of the semester, if I'd have to go back to online. I just knew that I was going in faith, and I knew that God was going to do something with that semester. Well, I get there, and I start hearing all the restrictions I'm going to have to start facing. You had to wear a face mask everywhere, and everyone goes, ah. You had the social distance. You weren't allowed the handshake. Kind of sounds like where we are now. But uh, we had to put these curtains up in our room, and we had to keep these curtains, these clear curtains, dividing us from our roommates every second we were in the room. And it was, it was just a bunch of small things that kind of compounded. I think the worst thing was we weren't allowed to have chapel inside. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but Lancaster is not a winter wonderland. It's a desert. And uh, in the middle of uh, September and late August, it's not cold there. I just remember the first day being out there for that chapel. I was in my nice uh, suit, and just I was pouring sweat. I was like, I'm doing this for you, God. <laughs> um, but you know, that stuff, that just starts to weigh down on you a little bit. I remember thinking, this is my first semester of my senior year. I'm going to go graduate at some point. I'm going to have to find a job eventually. And I was thinking to myself, ooh, I'm missing one thing that kind of matters a lot when you're going into the ministry. I'm single. I don't have a wife. I don't even have a prospect. So that was weighing down on me. Yes, yeah, some of you are laughing. I wasn't. <laughs> uh, that starts weighing down on me. And I, I get into one of those senior chapels where they're kind of explaining to us how we're to continue this semester. And they said something that just really affected me. They said this year that the interview days were going to be virtual. That means that none of the people that are going to be looking for pastors and youth pastors and assistant pastors and any kind of worker in the church would be there that year that they were going to do everything online. In my head, mathematically, that started going through, and I was like, ooh, that kind of decreases my chances. And all of this is weighing down on me, all these restrictions, all this new stuff I have to go through. And I start saying to myself, God, and I, you should never ask this question, but I did. I'm, I'm kind of stupid. I said, God, do you know what you're doing? I said, I know. I know I, I, we all know who I was talking to. I said, God, do you know what you're doing? Look, look where I'm at. This was supposed to be my golden year. This was supposed to be the year that you really just started showering blessing on me. And I started to doubt a little bit. Now, this story I'm going to be mark, walking you guys through, it's uh, Mark chapter 9. You can turn your Bibles there. And you guys can put that graphic on the screen if you want. Oh, I didn't even put the reference on there. My bad. Mark chapter 9. I, just, I started the doubt. And I'm going to show you a story where a man comes in with a little bit of doubt, and God gives him a response. And towards the end of the message, I'll explain to you how I got over that doubt at the end. But I just want to show you how God responded to that doubt. And I think that will be very encouraging tonight. I'm going to pray while you guys are all turning, and we'll get into the message. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for allowing us all to be here. Lord, I pray that you wouldn't just let me be preaching this message, but you would work, Lord, that you would use your Holy Spirit. That you give me confidence, Lord, but you have all the power, and I pray that you would give to everyone in this room what you want them to hear. Not what I want them to hear. Just pray that you'd be with our pastor, that you'd heal him, 
and that you just bless our church. In your name, amen. I'll start in verse 16, and I'll stop when I want to stop. So uh, it says, And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wherever so he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered them and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Now, I have more to read out of this passage, but I'm just going to stop there. I just kind of want to look at this situation. You got three parties here. You got the disciples, you got the scribes, and you got that father who has a problem, right? And the scribes, they're fighting with the disciples, um, kind of mocking them. I mean, we've all been in that situation. I look on Facebook all the time, and you have those Christians that write those posts, and there's always someone in the comment section that just has to nag on some kind of debate. These are kind of what these guys were doing. You know, they were just looking around, just trying to scorn the disciples. And the disciples are trying to help this man out. This man, he has a legitimate problem, does he not? His son is possessed with a demon. The demon has made the child deaf. The demon has provided some health problems that I haven't yet read in yet. But this man has a legitimate problem. And... He brought it before the disciples who had the power to cast out demons, but for some reason, they just couldn't do it this time. And the man who is already in discouragement, I think has led, this has led him to despair, right? If you had a problem, you had no hope left, and you heard about this group of guys who could take care of your problem, and you brought them to them, and they couldn't help you, wouldn't you be discouraged? If he had some kind of medical problem, I watched this show. Uh, what is it called? Dr. Pimple Pop or something like that? I, I know. This is kind of outlandish. But these people, they have, they have like these, like, I don't even know what to call them, but they have stuff on their body, and they're like, I don't know how to take care of it. And Dr. Pimple Popper is usually able to take it off their bodies. But what happens if you went to the doctor one time and you had this problem and the doctor couldn't help you? You'd be upset, right? This man brought his son to these people that were supposed to be able to help, and they couldn't do anything about it. And, you know, that just helps the antagonizers on the side. They get louder, right? They're just laughing at them. They're like, where's your power now? Where's your power now? And that just discourages the father even more. Now, I will say this. Jesus' response right here shows us what, where the problem is, Right? He says to them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you to bring him unto me? They were a faithless generation. Who was who he talking to specifically right here? I think he was talking to everyone, right? I didn't, he didn't say to the disciples, oh, you guys are faithless. He didn't say it to the scribes, and he didn't say it to the father specifically. He just kind of generalizes it. Well, what were, what were the scribes? They didn't have faith. Obviously, they were mocking the disciples for their faith in Jesus, Obviously, they were the ones who showed, I guess, what you would call the least amount of faith. Am I right? The father is in total despair. I looked up the definition of despair. Sometimes when you're going through these studies, you just want to make sure you got a word right. Despair means a lack of hope. This guy, I mean, he might have had a little faith when he brought his child to the disciples. But when they failed, it all went away. 
like I said, if you had your faith in medicine and the doctor couldn't help you, I think you'd lose that faith. Am I not, am I not right? And the disciples, did Jesus not tell them that they had power over demons earlier? I don't know if you guys know this, but earlier in this chapter, you know what happens? They get to be at the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Jesus in his full glory. And they still didn't have enough faith to cast out this demon. It's kind of, that's kind of surprising. I would think if I was at the Mount of Transfiguration and I saw Jesus in his full glory lifted up, I think I'd have enough faith to cast out a demon. Am I right? Well, I mean, they were the disciples, so if they couldn't do it, I probably wouldn't be any better. But they were, they were all lacking faith. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about tonight. You know, I lacked faith earlier in my semester. These guys lacked faith here. I'm going to tell you, I'm a believer. I mean, I believed in Jesus Christ for my salvation. I had faith that Jesus Christ could take me to heaven. But for some reason, I didn't have faith in my situation I was going through. The disciples, all these people in this story didn't have faith in the situation they were going through. And do you see Jesus' response to their lack of faith? I don't know if you get this from when, when I read it to you or when you read it in your Bible. Doesn't, see, doesn't Jesus seem kind of annoyed? He said, how long shall I suffer you? You know that it says in Hebrews 11.6 that it is impossible to please God without faith. Think about it. Every time we go through our life and we question him, you know what that does? It annoys him. It saddens him. Do we want to do that to Jesus? We don't want to do that to Jesus. He died for us. He loved us. He came to the earth for us. But Jesus is annoyed in this situation. So today, I'm going to give you my definition of faith. I think that's a pretty big word in our, our belief system, right? In our relationship with God, faith is one of the biggest words that pops out. Am I right? And I'm not getting a lot of response from you guys. You're, how, you're hurting me. I know it gives you a definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1, 1, but I'm going to give you my simple definition because I'm a simple guy. Right, Randy? We're all simple here. I believe faith, uh, well, I believe faith is believing without seeing. I'm going to tell you this right now. I believe Jesus. I've never seen Jesus. But I believe he's God, and I believe he can take me to heaven when I die. But there's two components to faith that we don't think about enough. There's the intellectual part of faith, right? We all know who Jesus is. We all know what Jesus is capable of. He's God. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. He's eternal. He had no beginning. He will have no ending. He's immutable. He doesn't change. Jesus ain't going to love you one day and hate you the next. He's going to love you for eternity. And Jesus is also sovereign. That's one of my favorite attributes. He's over everything he created, which is everything. And he, he does what he wants, what he wills. This is who we're talking about here. We're talking about Jesus, not some person who's limited. And there's the intellectual side of what Jesus can do, but there's also the willingness side. And I know this one's a little bit harder to explain. But when we pray to God, we know that God can do it, but does God want to do it? And I think that's the part where a lot of people start to doubt. If one of your family members had cancer, God could cure that cancer. We all believe that. But is God going to do it? Does God love me enough to do it? Does God have compassion enough to do it? I think as we examine this story, we're going to see part of that questioning right there. You know... They all lacked faith. Some of their lack of faith was in different parts. The scribes, they, they lacked even the intellectual part of the faith in Jesus. The Father lacked both parts of the faith in Jesus. The disciples lacked the willingness part. 
of faith in Jesus. And Jesus was annoyed with that. But you know, I, I think it's very special when you look at the end of verse 19. And you say that you see that God says, bring him unto me. So even though Jesus was annoyed, you know what Jesus did? He still looked at the problem. Aren't you glad that even though we annoy Jesus, he still wants to forgive us and he still wants to work with us? I mean, if God only gave us like three chances, I was out a long time ago. Even if he gave us 500 chances, I was out a long time ago. Jesus still wants to work with us. He still wants to help us, even though we sometimes, and I don't like the word using annoyed, but we displease him sometimes. So my first point is they all lacked faith. But then you see the father, and the father gives a little bit of an explanation of what's going on, and he, he gives a lowly question at the end. It says, and they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowing, wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. Just think about that. The moment they brought that boy to Jesus, what did the demon do? It attacked. Do I have to remind you all? I don't think I do. Demons are not our friends. It says in Ephesians 6, I preached a message on this not too long ago in this church. They are the enemy. They want to destroy us. They're not here to tickle us. 1 Peter 5.8 is pretty clear on it that the devil's a roaring lion. I've never seen a roaring lion that I've ever wanted to get near. I don't know about you guys. I've heard those stories about people jumping in the cages at the zoo. They're crazy. Um, I don't want to get near anything that could hurt me like that. Now look at Jesus. Jesus is like, bring the child to me. Everyone knew the problem. Jesus was like, bring him to me. I just find it amazing the demon's reaction because I think the demon was scared at that point. He knew his time was short. He knew who he was dealing with. You know, sometimes we question who Jesus is. The demon knew exactly who Jesus was. It says in James 2.17 that they fear and tremble. And this demon, it was doing all it could because it knew his time was short to destroy this boy. And he, uh, you know, the father just continues with the symptoms. I know when we have a problem in our lives, we want to we complain about it in a sense. We want people to know what we're going through. Am I right? That's why we share prayer requests. I wouldn't call that complaining by any means. But we want people to know what we're going through. And the father's going through this. And I just get the sense that the father, he really feared this. I would too. He said, how long has he had any? He said, of a child. That makes me think that this problem has been going on for several years. How many of you would want to be in that situation where your child is possessed with a demon and it's been going on for several years? That'd be heartbreaking. And... He just, Jesus just listens to it. And uh, I have to think that when the disciples failed to cast out that demon, I think that hurt that man's faith. I want to ask you guys this. When we see Christians fail in the news, what does that make us do? That saddens us. That makes us angry. They just gave me a bad name. I remember reading in the news not too long ago, the leader of uh, Hillsong in New York, that big church over there, they, uh, they had a moral problem with their pastor and they had to let him go. And by no means does Hillsong define our church at all. 
But to the world, Christians, anyone who bears the Christian name is a Christian, right? That just gives us a bad name. When those disciples failed to do what Jesus had given them the power to do, don't you think that that man started to doubt even Jesus? Our actions, our failures are not just on us. They also hurt the name of Jesus. One thing, one saying in my family is, don't disappoint the family or something like that, right? I mean, I can't remember. My mom's right there. But our actions are not just on us. Yeah, we have an enemy that's strong and powerful. I mean, these demons are no joke. You're not going to fight them by yourself, right, Randy? You talked about that in your message. It's only through Jesus Christ. And they're looking out. They're looking for us to fail. They're looking for us to make, to do something bad, to not have power in this Christian life so that they can put a bad name on Jesus Christ. What's the whole goal of being a Christian? To be like Jesus, to exalt him. If we're not doing that, how are we supposed to help the faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ? How are we supposed to want to draw in people to our relationship with Jesus Christ by telling others if we're failing all the time. I'm just going to say, if I wasn't a Christian and I saw Christians just being like the world and having no spiritual power, why would I want to be like one? I remember the saying, and I think I include it into almost every message I preach, but that saying Gandhi used, he said, I would be a Christian if it weren't for Christians. That's so heartbreaking. To know that someone would rather spend an eternity in hell just because of the representatives of Jesus Christ. I want you guys to think about your life. I told you Jesus was kind of annoyed with the measure of faith of his disciples. Would Jesus, if he was in this room tonight and he measured your faith, would he be disappointed? Would he be discouraged? Would he say to us in this room, oh, ye faithless generation? How disappointing would that be? And because of their negligence, because of their unfaith, that causes man to doubt. And he says this um, later, and oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He says, if thou canst do anything. Their failure had led him to believe that Jesus couldn't do, may not even have the power to do that. Did we not just walk through what God can do? God is the most powerful being on the universe. Jesus is the most powerful being on the universe. Are our actions making people believe that God is limited? This man, like I told you at the beginning, he had a lowly question. I mean, I even questioned at the beginning of the semester. Now if God could do anything, but he says, if thou hast have compassion on us and help us. He didn't even believe that God might even be willing to help him. Have our actions led people to think that way? I'm not talking about the church in general. I'm talking about our church. Our actions. Cornerstone is supposed to be a beacon of light in this community. We have Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt in this world. Are we not? We're called to be different. Are we being different? Do we have that power? When you have, when you have power with God, it's noticeable. You know that? It's noticeable. If someone says, people, you walk down the street, people will know. They'll say there's something different about that person. Is that noticeable in our lives? 
Is that faith noticeable? Are people questioning? Are you questioning if God can do anything? Are you questioning if God's willing or has enough goodness to do anything? Like I said, when in my prayers, I never really have to doubt the power of God, the intellectual side. But sometimes in my prayer, I'm like, does God even want to do this? Some of you guys, you think about the election a lot. I mean, it's pretty big, right? It affects all of us. Does God want to see justice done in this country? Does God want to see so-and-so healed in my life? Does, want to, does God want to do this for me? Of course he does, if it's in his will. Now, I know that things are kind of grim at the beginning of the story, but then Jesus answers. I love it when Jesus talks because it's always filled with some kind of hope, right? He says this, And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Is that not an encouraging answer right there? He said, Hey, if you can believe me, all things are possible. Your son could be healed. That's what's implied in there. Hey, if you believe God, that person in your life who has cancer, they can be healed. If you believe God, you can reach 25,000 doors in a year. I don't know if you guys remember this. I mean, Vision Banquet was a long time ago, was it not? Uh, what, 12 months ago, 11 and a half months ago? I can't even remember January. It was, it was that far ago. But I remember Pastor, he set some, I don't want to say crazy goals, Pastor, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> he said, uh, and he's watching right now, he, he set some pretty big goals. And I thought to myself, ooh, that's going to be kind of hard. But if we believe all things are possible with God, if we have that faith, if someone said, God, can you help me lead 50 people to the Lord, which I think is a very noble goal and a very noble request. Hey, if you believe in God, God will give you the opportunity. All things are possible with God. And I just, I don't think people believe that enough. And don't you think it's interesting that this is a statement but the statement puts the decision on who? On the Father. The decision's on you guys. It's not if Jesus can do it. It's not if he has the power to do it. It's if you guys choose to believe. It's if I choose to believe. If we want that kind of power in this Christian life to make a difference for Jesus, if we want that power to conquer our problems in this life, this man, he was dealing with a son who was infested with a demon. Some of us were afraid of COVID. Some of us were afraid of what's happening with our government. Some of us have different problems in this life, but if you can believe, all things are possible with God. And the decision's on you. You know, God has given us an answer to every question and problem in our life, and it's in his word. If you want power in his life, open his word. He has a lot of stuff in there. You just got to believe what he says. And through prayer. Jesus gave this response, and it's still true today. You know, Jesus, this book was written like 2,000 years ago. It's kind of still relevant today. Um, COVID, I, I'm sure they had plagues back in that time, did they not? I think like when I was studying history, a Roman emperor died like every seven years because of a plague, right? They've had plagues in the past. I think God has an answer for it in this book. I think God has an answer for any kind of governmental problem. They had it a lot worse back in Roman times than we do. Brother Tom was talking about Russia. They have it a lot worse over there than we do. God has an answer for it in his book. And it's the belief. How hard is it to believe more in salvation, asking Jesus Christ 
to forgive you and to take you to heaven to die than any other problem we face in our life. And we all did that, right? And if you haven't, you should. It's up to you to choose to have faith. Like, and I told you this at the very beginning. In Hebrews eleven six, it says the only way to please God is to live your life with faith. Answer this in your head right now. Where's your faith? Is it in your money? Is it in your justice system? I'm talking about the Supreme Court. Is it in the stock market? Is it in the government? Is it in your loved ones? Is it in your possessions? Is it in yourself? Because if it's not in Jesus, then you have the wrong answer. And I can say that emphatically. If you had no answer than Jesus in your head and you were being true to yourself, then you have no power with God, at least at this moment. And that you've displeased God. I know that at points in my life I've answered this question and it was the wrong answer. But I like, I like the reaction of this man when Jesus gives him that response. It says in verse 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him. And he was, was as one dead, and so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand, and lifted him up, and he arose. Do you notice something about this man's response? Because I noticed it. It says, I think it even says the word. And it says, and straightway. That means immediately. When the man figured out that his faith was lacking and it was on him to believe, you know what he did? He made an immediate decision to pray and ask God for faith. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. I've prayed this prayer many times. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. I have that intellectual belief that God can do it. God, can you help me believe that you want to do it? God, can you help me believe that you want my brother to get saved? Some people have family that aren't saved. God, can you help me believe that you want to heal my family member with cancer, that you want to make this election fair? When he found out that he didn't have the faith that God wanted, he prayed more for it. And you can see through his tears, him repenting for his unbelief. It's what I say earlier. Unbelief, that's a sin. If you don't have faith in God, you're currently sinning. And I'm not talking about being saved. I'm talking about faith is a decision we make each and every day. And if you woke up today and you didn't have your faith in God and everything you did today, you didn't please God. This man, he chose immediately to turn away from his unbelief. And he even asked God to increase it. And you know what Jesus did? He responded perfectly to that faith. Jesus immediately commanded that demon to get out of that child. And you want to know something? Jesus just shows his power right here. His disciples couldn't do it, but Jesus, he said, get out. And he didn't just say, get out. He said, never come back. And that demon, it was powerless. It had to leave. It didn't have a choice. That's the kind of power I want in my life. I want Jesus' power resting on me. Do you guys not want Jesus' power resting on you? I want to be able to walk through life like that. To not have to fear. Jesus 
perfectly matches that man's faith. And even though it looked like at the points that demon was winning, it looked like it killed the child, did it not? That child, it went through a lot of pain and went through a lot of agony, and it looked like it was dead. But the demon couldn't do that if Jesus didn't want it to. Jesus just picks that child up, and he was perfect, perfectly healed. Because guess what? Jesus doesn't do anything imperfectly. Jesus does everything perfectly. And I'm just going to say this. Our response to the revelation of a lack of faith in our life should be immediate. The moment we find that we're lacking in some area, we need to fix it. Not in five minutes, not in two hours when I'm going to read my Bible. Immediately. The truth is, some of us would rather keep our problems and complain about them than to deal with them through faith. Isn't that sad? Jesus always keeps his end of the bargain, so to speak. He said, if you believe, all things are possible. It's up to us to believe. Through Jesus is the victory. You know, that demon, like I said, had to come out no matter how hard it tried to destroy the boy. Jesus was able to rectify the situation. Jesus always perfectly responds to our faith. And Jesus wants to respond to your faith and my faith. But let me ask you this question. What faith have you given him to work with? I remember a story. I can't remember the exact passage. But Jesus said that he would do wonderful things, but they had no faith there. A lot of you guys in your life, I don't know if this is happening in your life, but if you're seeing a lot of defeat, if you're seeing a lot of peril, why would Jesus help you if you're not showing him any faith? You're going, to, you're going to remain powerless. If you want to see Cornerstone become a strong church, what kind of faith are you giving God? If you want to see the community reach for Jesus through our church, what kind of faith are you giving God? If you want to see our congregation grow closer to the Lord, what kind of faith are you giving God? Because if you're not seeing it, the problem may be with you. I promised I'd finish my story from the beginning. I just remember going through, and I was just disappointed. And it got to a point where I was questioning God, and I even got a little bit angry. And I'm just going to tell you, God always likes to fix his uh, angry children. And I realized the problem, and I went to a friend for help, a friend who I thought, I thought of as a spiritual leader. He said, Jacob, I think you're forgetting something. I said, what is that? He said, God's good all the time. And I know that's a really simple saying, but is it not true? What's that saying? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And he said, uh, I think it would be good for you if you wrote out a list of thankfulness. And I said, this is like uh, something you give to a child. But I did it. I mean, I'm not a smart guy. I'm, I'm kind of rebellious. But I wrote out the list. And... Man, the list went on forever, and I said, oh, man, God, you've been so good to me. Why would I doubt your goodness in this area? I mean, I was in a school that shouldn't have even been opened. Two out of 90-something in Southern California. God had led me to that school, and I was doubting his goodness. And I wrote out that list. And some of you, I would say, if, you're, if, you're doubt, if you have doubt 
and God right now in any area of life, write out a list of what God's done for you. I remember, I can't remember what psalm it was. I think it's in the 70s. But God goes through everything he did for the children of Israel. He's like, why are you doubting me? Why are you doubting me? God promised us that he would be with us always in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 20. He'd be with us always. He promised us in this passage here alone that if we believe that all things were possible. God's not a liar, am I right? So if God's so good to us and he's promised us so much, why would we doubt him? And God just kind of had to remind that to me a little bit. I want you guys to know that. You know, I grew my faith by writing a list of blessings from God to remind me of his goodness. That was the area of faith I lacked in. Examine your own hearts tonight. Where's the area that God has shown you to grow into faith perfectly? Like I said, one of the big ones I think that happens in a lot of churches is there's some problems we see with the church. God forbid sometimes it's even with the church leaders. And we say, oh, if God's going to put them in that position of power, then why would I trust in God? God's made a mistake here. Does God make mistakes? No. Whatever God's put in your life tonight, it's to make you more like him. Don't ever doubt God's goodness. God wants to do something with each and every one of our lives, but he's just waiting for you guys to put the faith in. If you choose to wallow in your problems, if the father chose to wallow in his unbelief, do you think his son would ever have been cured from that demon? You know, the moment Peter took his eyes off of Jesus when he was walking on water, you know what happened then? He sunk. I would say that some of us tonight, we might be looking at the waves right now. You know, they're scary, are they not? I mean, I don't know if I'm afraid of the open ocean. I don't like giant waves. If you're looking at the waves and you're not looking at Jesus, you're sinking. I would just challenge you tonight to look at Jesus, to put your faith at him, to examine yourself, to see where your faith is. And if it's misplaced, put it in the right place. What will you do? Will you believe or will you not? Randy, you can come up and close this.